the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, amen. Today is the uh, second, day, second month of the blessed month of Hatur, and the church reads for us the similar passage as we heard last week, the Sower. Uh, and in this month of Hatur is the one preceding the month of Kiyak, so the church uh, prepares us for the receiving the word of God. So this month is about the gospel, the word of God, and next month is about receiving the word of God, the logos of God which is the incarnation of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And um, we've heard so much about this uh, gospel before, uh, but I'd like to bring up a point about the sower himself. Because he says the sower went out to sow, and he sowed the seeds on the different types of ground. And the Lord Jesus, he actually and he explained this gospel to us, and explained to us that he is the sower. Um, and I think it's important for us that if he's sowing the seeds, on our heart for us to know who he is and what he's trying to plant. So, and this gospel tells us a little, about, a little bit about who the sower is, so that when we know him, we trust him, and then we can follow him. It's just like any of us, for example, before we have any kind of surgery, uh, God keep you all healthy, but if we had any kind of surgery, we look and do the reviews, right? We look at the reviews of the physician and his track record, how many times he's done the surgery, and if you go to him and say, you know, have you done this surgery before? And he says, no, actually, you're my first one. Will we go to him? No, probably not, right? So if we even do this with the things we purchase. We read reviews and reviews and reviews, and then we finally purchase it. And then we trust that these reviews are correct. So the more that we know about the Lord Jesus, uh, that he is the sower, the more we will fall in love with him, and we will follow him in our life. Number one, the first thing we, uh, we understand is... Uh, the sower is the source of the seed. He is the source of the seed. He's the one who is throwing. Uh, he is the author of life. He's the lawmaker. He is also the enforcer and also the one who rewards. So he's the, the lawgiver. Um, uh, and we are his creation. We are his creation. Sometimes people, um, when they speak about uh, miracles and so on, as if this is a strange thing. It's strange from our perspective because we're not the lawgiver, we're not the creator. But when we see miracles happen through Christ and, and God, this is, this is the natural for Him because He created the whole universe by a word, right? By His word. So there's nothing that's out of ordinary for Him because He is uh, the author of life uh, for everyone. And we are His creation. This is why in Psalm 100 it says what? Know that the Lord, He is God. It is He who has made us and not we ourselves. We are His people and sheep of His pasture. Keeping this, under, this idea and this understanding that He is the maker and we are His creature. A lot of times when you hear about all the things, the ideas that are going around in this world nowadays, a lot of it's centered about we wanting to make ourselves God. I wanted to dictate for myself everything. And I want to dictate reality for myself. Right? You have this whole thing about, you know, male and female and this transgenderism that's going on. Again, how can somebody dictate for themselves whether they're male or female? That's something that God has created in all of uh, nature. Right? This is the reality of things. Um, so he is, number one, he is the source of the seed. We also understand that he is very generous. He sowed the seed on all the types of ground, and he sowed a lot of seed. Um, and this we see in the Lord, that he gives us more than we really ask for. 
If you remember Solomon, the son of David in the Old Testament, being a young man entering into the kingdom, God asks him, ask for something and I will give it to you. Ask and I will give it to you. Because he wanted to bless Solomon and his kingdom. Solomon looked and said to himself, the one thing that I really need the most is what? Wisdom. And he asked for wisdom. And look what the Lord said to him. He says, Behold, you have asked this thing and have not asked for long life for yourself, nor have asked for riches for yourself, nor asked for life of your enemies, and have asked for yourself for understanding and discernment. Because I have done according to your words, I see I have given you a wise and understanding heart, so that they, there has not been anyone like you before, nor shall any like you arise after you. And I have also given you what you have not asked, both riches and honor, so that there shall be, not be anything like you among the kings of, all the, all, of the earth all your days. So he's saying here that he gave him not only what he asked for, but even what he didn't ask for. And this the Lord tells us as well in the Sermon on the Mount. He says, seek first the kingdom of God, this wisdom, and all things will be added to you, right? So when we know the Lord and we ask Him for the things that He only can give, the things that He, he gives liberally to all, He will give you as an uh, addition. Um, <clears throat> this is why often when we speak about the Lord Jesus as the physician of our souls, we also add of our, our bodies, the, our souls and our bodies. Because when the Lord Jesus came to those who were sick, he gave them healing of their physical infirmity, but he also gave them healing of their spiritual infirmity. And I fear nowadays this spiritual infirmity is camouflaged among many of us. We're always you know, focused on the physical aspect of it. But what about my repentance? Right? How many of us have repented maybe in the past two months, in the past six months, in the past year? What about my spiritual you know, infirmity? God and Christ has come to heal that as well. And of course, St. Uh, Paul tells us in Romans, the richness of God. He says, Oh, the depths and the riches of both the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and his ways past finding out. He is very generous. He gives to all liberally who ask and seek him. Also, we know that the sower is impartial. He's impartial. He sowed the gospel to everyone, whether they desired or they didn't desire. And this we'll find, perhaps maybe the, uh, with the technological boom, we find this, where even the gospel message can be shared to those who've never heard it before, and even to those who don't want to hear it, but they hear it, right? They hear of the gospel. Um, and he's impartial in providing many things for us. Number one, he's impartial in that he sows our necessary provisions. Listen to what it says in, the, in Matthew 5. He says, he makes his sun shine on the righteous and the evil and on the good. He sends rain on the just and the unjust. He doesn't make a distinction between where his sun shines and where the rain rains. He rains on both because we know all humanity, we need both of those. So he, he provides us those provisions. He also souls impartially in his forgiveness to all. He came and he uh, wanted to save everyone. He says, what, and St. Paul says what? God demonstrates his own love towards us and that while we were sinners, Christ died for us. All of us, the whole world. And also in St. John's uh, Gospel, the Lord says, all that the, Father gives me, I will, uh, all that the Father gives me will come to me and uh, no one that comes to me I will by no means cast out. So he says, anyone that comes to me I will no, by no means cast them out. 
So he came to give all the forgiveness of sins impartially. But what's the caveat here? The caveat is that we go to him, right? He says that we must come to him. So it's just like the doors are open. Everyone that wants to come into salvation will come and receive forgiveness, will come and receive salvation and forgiveness. And the door is always open. So he offers this to all of us liberally. Also, impartially, he gives us the healing. Um, again, we find in Luke chapter 4, it says, When the sun was setting, all those who had any sick with diverse diseases brought them to him. And he laid his hands on every one of them and healed them. We don't hear of the Lord examining each person that came to him. But he healed them all, right? He, yes, were some worthy? Yes. Were some unworthy? Perhaps. Right? But he healed them all. And he gives healing to many people. It's not only the Christians that receive healing at the hand of the physician. No, the many people receive healings at the hands of physicians. Right? But at the end of the day, there's a motto in the world of the physicians, from what I understand. The author is unknown. But it says the physician prescribes the treatment, but God gives the healing. A physician prescribes the, treat the, the treatment, but God gives the healing. So he sows healing to all liberally and without partiality. Also, the, the sower believes in you and me. He believes in us. <clears throat> he went and sowed seed on all types of the ground because he believes that there's a possibility that this ground might bear fruit. Even the stony ground and the other types of ground that were perhaps unfitting, he believed that perhaps if the ground could change or could be tilled uh, and transformed and given fertilizer, this ground can produce fruit. But he could put the seed everywhere because he believes in you and I. Um, <clears throat> and if you think about it, why would a farmer lay down seed in a place that he does not expect crop? This would be very foolish. We'd call this a bad business decision or very foolish in any act. But he sowed the seeds even in the places where perhaps were unlikely to bear his fruit. Why? Because he believes in us. If you think about this, the words of encouragement and believing in another person, how powerful this is. I think if we looked at the life of St. Paul, there are two individuals, you know, who believed in him. And if they didn't believe in him, he wouldn't probably be the St. Paul that we know. Number one is St. Stephen, the one who was stoned at his hand, right? Who provided this image, this godly image of Christ himself, but not being the Lord Jesus, of course, but Christ himself in front of him being stoned for being innocent, and St. Paul was there witnessing back when he was Saul. The other person was after his conversion, which was St. Barnabas. St. Barnabas was the one who believed in St. Paul. If we go back to um, uh, Acts chapter 9, where the conversion of Saul is, listen what it says in, uh, in uh, verse 20, 26. He says, And when Saul had come to Jerusalem, he tried to join the disciples, but they were all afraid of him and did not believe he was a disciple. Of course, this guy used to drag them and bring them to be killed and to be murdered. And they, he just was finished killing St. Stephen. So, of course, they didn't accept him. But what happened? But Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles. And he declared to them how he had seen the Lord on the road and, he had, uh, and, and that he had spoken to him. And, and, and how he had preached boldly at Damascus in the name of Jesus. So he was with them at Jerusalem, coming in and going out. So if it wasn't for St. Barnabas, believing in St. Paul, uh, defending him before the apostles, then he probably wouldn't be the St. Paul that we know. But it took from one person believing in another and encouraging him, this made such a big change. So today, my beloved, the Lord is telling us that he believes in us. Regardless of the, whatever ground that I see myself, 
He believes in us and he believes that this ground can be a fertile ground. So we must make it a fertile ground and he will bring forth fruit. The next thing we see in the sower is that he is very patient. He is very patient. And the Lord demonstrated this in a parable in Luke chapter 13. And he said what? A certain man had a fig tree, planted a, uh, planted a fig tree in, a vi in his vineyard. And he came seeking fruit on it and found none. Then he said to the keeper of the vineyard, Look, for three years I have, coming, I, have been, I have come seeking fruit on this fig tree and find none. Cut it down. Why does it use up the ground? But he answered and said to him, Sir, let it alone this year also, until I dig around it and fertilize it. And if it bears fruit, well. And if, but if not, after that you can cut it down. So he, he left it for three years, even when it bore no fruit. But he was patient. And thankfully, thank God, he is patient with you and me. Myself being the first. That he is patient with me as we grow and we develop in our life. And have new understanding of him. And new love for him. He is patient with us. Imagine, <clears throat> um, and we see this demonstrated in many parts. But if we look in the story of Noah. Does anybody remember how long it took Noah to build the ark? It took him about 120 years. Right before the floodwaters finally came down. So 120 years, he's building this ark in his backyard. People are making fun of him. They're mocking him. Right? He's building a boat on dry land and all of this stuff. And not only a small boat, it's a huge boat. Right? right? The Titanic. He's building this huge boat for no reason in the middle of the land. And they're making fun of him. And he preaches them, well, God told me so and so that he's going to come and flood the earth. But everybody's welcome to come on if you want to come on. And they all made fun of him. Why did it take so long? It's for the repentance of the people. So that when the floodwaters came as a judgment upon the people, they had their opportunity. They had 120 years to believe the message from Noah, but they, some, most of them didn't believe. Also, we see the same thing with Pharaoh. How many plagues did it take Pharaoh before he let the people of Israel go? Ten, right? It took ten plagues. I know it's early. And because I'm the, I'll be sleeping too, but I'm the one speaking. So I, I can't sleep. Uh, it, took, it took 10 plagues. Why 10? Why 10? And if they wanted after just one. He could have begun one and that was it. But he wanted to give Pharaoh and the people of Egypt time to repent. And each plague was a, a, a big miracle, right? It was huge. Give them time to repent, right? So he's very patient with us, thankfully, when we come seeking his mercy. Lastly, the sower is also serious. The sower is serious. God is serious about the fruit that he expects from us. And he said what? <clears throat> Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. So yes, he's very generous. Yes, he's very patient. Yes, he's very kind. Yes, he believes in us. At the end, he wants to see fruit. He wants to see fruit. Because there will come a time where he will come and say, okay, show me the fruit. And then if we have nothing to show for it, then as he says here, it will be cut down and thrown into the fire, right? So now is the time. Now is the high time. While we have our life, we have our breath, now is the high time to cultivate the land, that it can bear fruit. And believe me, if we just begin by making the ground good, if we don't get to quite where the fruit is, he will still reward us. Because our trajectory is, it was making the ground good and ready. So let's work on ourselves. Let's get our ground ready. Offer repentance. Um, so that when he comes expecting fruit, he finds fruit in each and every one of us. So 
we know uh, from this morning that the Lord is the sower, and we know about Him that He is the source of all the seed. We saw that He was very generous and gives liberally. We also spoke about Him uh, dispensing His seed impartially on all the different uh, types of ground. And He believes in us, He's patient, and last, He's also uh, serious with us. I pray that we are all serious as well in our spiritual life and our spiritual growth. And to God be the glory forever and ever. Amen.